from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. Afternoon, June 21st. Jinx grunted as he slipped the heavy, cold tank on his back. The crew-cut blonde American who acted as lifeguard, beach boy, and prop band looked concerned. Too tight around the shoulders? Hello there, and welcome to the show. My name is Hunter, and I am joined, as I am uh, every week, by my inimitable co-host, Hugh. Uh, Hugh, you can speak now. Thank you. Hello. We're known in the business as the two H's, am I right? Mm-hmm. And we're here today to talk about uh, Michael Creighton. Uh, specifically, uh, Mr. C's very first published novel, Odds On. And boy, do we have a chapter here uh, for you today, am I right, Hugh? We do indeed have a chapter here for you today. I can verify this. And if you don't already know... Uh, this is, uh, for Christ's sake, a show where we dissect the works of Michael Crichton chapter by chapter. So, Hugh, do you want to do a little bit of catch up to where we were last with our uh, our characters here in uh, the, the world of odds on? Mr. Crichton's first book. Yes, although as is customary, we should quickly mention that we are joined by two drinks and two snacks. Mm. For my part, I have my usual anonymous white wine from a box, as well as a bowl of banana cream biscuits. Do you have your usual snack, sir? I do, Hugh. I felt bad about slacking last week, so got some more lemons, and I made myself a gin sour. Mm. And I accompany that with a delicious box of crackers. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, so where were we last time when we left off? I, I don't, don't remember. remember. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Let me just go back a little bit Did Jake put the bomb in the sand or something? Yeah Was there a bit with a net, I think? Where are we in the plot? Let's just quickly say that It's a hotel off the coast of Spain on this island About to be robbed by three men, Jinx, Miguel, and Brian And there's all sorts of other wacky characters Who may or may not impede their ability to rob said hotel yeah uh where we left off last time was that the plot which uh, jinx had conceived with the uh, invaluable assistance of a uh, computer program a primitive computer program was about to start or had started i i was under the impression that he had set the bobs up for uh you know be ready to be exploded but i was mistaken as we will learn shortly i was under that impression also prior to this chapter uh, and the rest of the characters, the other three men, are uh, about to start their scheme, as it were, is to break into the various hotel rooms and denude the rich tourists of the hotel arena of their valuable possessions, while also making out with the 
contents of the manager, hotel manager's safe, and other you know valuable goods in general. Yeah. So they were just setting up the plan. They were doing the preliminary steps on yes. the morning of June the 21st. Yes. Now it is the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's getting closer to the, the time at which the heist actually commences, but we're still not there yet. And and Hugh, what, what better for the hot Spanish afternoon sun than a little dip in the ocean? Indeed, because that uh, opening paragraph that you narrated for us at the top of this podcast mm. tells us that as we speak, Jenks is affixing his aqua lung in preparation for a dive. Yes, so he gets fitted for this aqua lung. He dives into the ocean. And where is he going, Hugh? Uh, before we say that, there is there is a bit where uh, Jinx uh, reveals that he's read everything there is to know about uh, water pressure or scuba diving, which really felt to be like Michael Crichton just bragging about the fact that he knew about what scuba diving was, you know? I mean, he does spend a number of paragraphs carefully narrating this journey that just ends up at the bridge that we were at before. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I guess you could call this whole sequence a little bit of uh, suspense, right? Mm. So yeah, Jake's goes to this bridge. Uh, he retrieves the package, which both of us assumed that was going to be the final resting place of the blob, but in effect it's not. And he uses his swimming ability to attach a stick of dynamite and a timer to each of the struts that hold up the bridge, right? Yes. There's one uh, little part of this that I'd like to direct you and our audience's attention to, which is just another example of that old Michael Crichton misogyny. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Which is that uh, mid-bomb placing, uh, there is a, a car drives over the bridge, and Jinx is worried that perhaps the people on top of it could see him setting the bombs. Um, and, you know, it doesn't really matter. They don't see him. Um, but uh, it has one great little bit, bit of dialogue, uh, which I think, uh, except for maybe a little later thing, is is my uh, for Crichton out loud this week. He's riding proud. Come on, let's hear it right about now for Crichton out loud. So uh, let's. Uh, the scene is Jake studying the bombs. There's a car that stopped over top the bridge, and um, here we go. <clears throat> A woman's voice, partially unattractive. Uh, I just thought that was weird. <laughs> I didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> so, uh, you just wanted to, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, so he's planted the bomb successfully. Um, there was a, obviously a close call with random civilians stopping on the bridge, but turned out not to be anything you need to concern yourself with. Mm. So he returns to the hotel. And who should he encounter but his sex partner from the chapter before the chapter before that miss jenny she calls out his name steve can can our hero resist his, her large globes Hugh? can he resist the stunning lush full breasts that are straining the cloth so look if if i were jenks in this situation mm. and you know i had this important heist to uh enact later that night and I'd been planning this heist for some time. Mm. I would want to make sure I was in peak physical condition. <laughs> There's no better way to get to that peak than a little bit of uh, scoochy boochy, am I right? Well, well, actually, actually, I will say that if the if the sex requires too much physical exertion on my part, 
<laughs> I might knock myself out, right? I might be too exhausted to carry out this heist as it needs to be carried out. Well, what are you, you going to do in that situation? Hmm, well... Could you perhaps have a nubile, almost underage woman who will cater to your every demand? Some sort of bizarre sex object fantasy? Let me just quote. Is riding proud? Come on, let's hear it right about now. For crying out loud. He smiled, a plan forming in his mind. He could not afford to knock himself out in the sack as he had the previous afternoon. <laughs> well, he thought, today she would work for it. She would do it with pleasure, enough pleasure for both of them. So that's his plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not going to relinquish the sex entirely. Mm, he's going to force. He's going to force her to do all the work. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you know they make they they uh, make love. I think is uh, the appropriate though. Uh, Crichton um, elides the sex scene. Kind of kind of a, a rarity uh, in this portion of the book, I'd say. Hmm. But there is uh, one great passage that I would like to read to you, if that's all right. Is riding proud? Come on, let's hear it right about now. Feel crying out loud. And I, I thought this I thought this particular choice of uh, wordage was very strange. Which is his hands went down to her brief triangle. <laughs> That's it. Uh, which I guess is referring to her bikini bottom. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the way it is written, the way it's like framed in the scene makes it seem like he's calling like her pubic mound brief, you know? <laughs> and I, I was very weirded out about that. Uh, and that's the entirety of the uh, <laughs> Jinx plotline. Well, there's one more quote we can add in, which is uh, the suggestion of what type of sex they may be engaging in. Oh, please go for it. Is riding men proud? Come on, let's hear it right about now. Feel crying out She lay on the bed and stretched. We can try some variations, she said, if you're interested. She looked at his body. I see you're interested. <laughs> she was right, Jenks thought, as he lay alongside her. He was very, very interested. I just imagine Jenks laying in the bed with his like entire body like pressed against his penis, which is pointing him off the ground. You know, because he's just, like pure specimen of man. But um, we do learn a little bit more information in this in this little section, which is that uh, Ginny wants to go to Rome with Jinx. She has ba- abandoned Peter Ganson. That's it. Uh, and then uh, all that's left in the chapter are these very two little short subsections about Bride and Miguel, mm-hmm. which are barely worth summarizing, I think. But summarize them we shall. Am I right? So we'll start with Brian. Uh, so Brian, uh, you know, breaks into a room, and who could it be but Peter Ganson? He sees that Peter is the uh, based on the objects around is is a is a total cuck. I think was the the phrase that came into my mind when I was reading this. What about you? Well, we should we should let our listeners know exactly what was laid out in his room. Oh, please, please. So there was a grey sweatshirt with Harvard stenciled in red. Mm, very interesting. It. Very interesting. Uh, there was a nylon windbreaker. Hmm. Okay. This is important. The windbreaker was lying rumpled on the bed next to a paperback copy of 
Live and Let Die. What? No way. The uh, Ian Fleming novel? That's right. Wow. So, uh, which is to say, I feel like uh, Crichton knew what he was doing with this book. Yes, I think so. Which is making a bizarre pornographic fantasy. That's very misogynist. Just like the James Bond movies and, and books. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. But, uh, you know, just not as good. Nope. <laughs> With uh, zero compelling characters at all. And, and a lot, well, I guess, the, you know, there's a fair amount of, like, uh, questionable sexual uh, stuff in uh, Bond books as well. And movies. Indeed, but Ian Fleming is a much superior writer to that's, that's true. He has that going for him. To close out this chapter of Odds On, you get a little scene with Miguel. He's basically doing the exact same thing. Yep. Um, but we get a little bit of uh, fat shaming and misogyny. So Miguel uh, sort of has a little trouble opening the lock, but after he does so, he gets in. And uh, and in fairness to Miguel, I had also completely forgotten the uh, bizarre way that the Hotel Rita ordered its keys. So, <laughs> but Do you want to quote the... Uh, little bit of misogyny here yep he's riding men proud come on let's hear it right about now for crying out loud he turned his attention to the room which smelled strongly of chanel number five mr and mrs labar were here he was the gaunt one with the hook nose, and she was the witch who insisted on wearing a bikini even though her fat, flabby body bulged disgustingly over her suit. <laughs> the vanity of women, he thought. <laughs> Yikes. That, that's Just the Christ. second line there. The vanity of women is uh, insane. <laughs> uh, Michael Crichton's such a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> He truly, truly is. Uh, and and reader, we wish you we wish you could leave out a note uh, besides that uh, that rank spell of horrible misogyny. But uh, unfortunately, we we simply cannot because that is the uh, end of the chapter. That's the climax. <laughs> yep. Is that is it? Him casing uh, that uh, that room. So we'll see you uh, next time on this great great podcast. For Christ's sake, if there's anything else you'd like to add, Hugh. Bye.